the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Let's start thinking positively. You know, the greatest faith is born in the hour of despair. When we can see no hope, no way out, then faith rises and brings the victory. The devil doesn't care if you go to church or read your Bible, as long as you don't apply it to your life. (laughs) That's the truth. Uh, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know the suffering produces preservation. Preservation. (laughs) Preservation. And then character. And character brings hope. Sorry, I blew that one bad. Uh, Anyway, uh, you know, this is the Smart Investor Show, and uh, I would direct you to WHK's webpage. First of all, if you go to local podcasts and you only miss you know, you're driving and you want to hear the whole show and you only heard part of it, you can go there and listen to our show every week. They usually have it on by Sunday morning. They're, you know, uh, Lenny's a great technician. Uh, uh, he's the guy in the back office right now. Uh, anyway, you can go and go directly to my webpage, and I really highlight the Insight banner because the Insight banner has a bunch of our research, and it also has other stuff that you need to know financially. And if you'd like to get set up on our newsletter, I send out a newsletter every month uh, with different, you know, financial ideas, not necessarily the stock market, but stuff that you need to know. Okay. And also on the front page under bulletin board, uh, there's a newsletter that comes out. It's a weekly newsletter, so you can keep up on the markets. And then Rob Schleimer puts out his roadmap, and which is some very important stuff. I just want to highlight a couple things. If you own a small company, you know, we had Dane Toppage on from Dunbar and Bender, and he has done a great job creating more untaxable income for you. If you put away more income in a tax-free situation or tax-deferred situation, the money grows faster. It's that simple. Uh, as long as the government doesn't get a hold of it. And, and by the way, they've already got a new tax plan in there. So, uh, But also the other thing is, if you sell your company, if you want to price. We do that free for our clients. Okay. So I'll leave that, uh, I'll leave that to you. Um, so look, I, I, I've been looking at a lot of stuff and, and, uh, people have been asking me some questions and, uh, you know, first of all, I, I go back and I look at things and I say to myself, like, you know, the layoffs are coming now. They're mostly in tech. Uh, and the industrial business is not really showing I mean, there's very few layoffs in the industrial area. And usually, you know, when we've had really hard times, the industrials have been the place where 
you know, the large cap industrials have been the place where we've really had a problem. Uh, and that's when, uh, I mean, like in 02, you know, tech was around, but in the financial crisis, it was the, uh, we had big waves of layoffs and, and we found them, uh, you know, it, we had real estate layoffs, we had industrial layoffs, we had a whole kit, you know, kit and caboodle. But look, I, I've, I looked at many of the stats that we track in reporting season and the instances is, you know, the, the, the Russell 1000, uh, which is a, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the value group, uh, and small caps, uh, generally we've highlighted in recent weeks, the earnings backdrop has continued to soften. Okay. So, but I'm, I'm seeing something that's interesting where there's bad news, stocks are rallying. And when there's good news, stocks are rallying. Hmm. Uh, you know, Intel, had the worst quarter I've ever seen from Intel, yet it closed the week right where it opened the week. You know, Microsoft had a pretty bad quarter and guided down and finished the week right where it started the week. Boeing did the same thing. Very interesting. All right, so a, a couple things there that are interesting. You know, investor sentiment continues to show signs of recovery. It's been, it was the bearish, one of the three most bearish periods I can recall. That's interesting. Uh, and the S&P 500 looks pretty attractively valued right now on a P.E. basis using, you know, the 2022 estimates anyway. Uh, and the S&P 500 has started to diverge a little bit from the path that was on the 2022 area. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that on a technical basis in the second part of the show. Now, the one thing everybody was real surprised about the January payroll and, you know, we're um, Tom Pocelli, our head economist, uh, chief economist, I guess he calls himself, he, he, he said it's going to be solid. Look, one of the things that I heard, and I, 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 I don't know if I'm quoting this properly, but the last two months, we've had the greatest number of small businesses formed ever. So they need to hire people. And that's what, you know, uh, Tom was talking about. So I think that's, you know, fairly interesting. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but just remember, after a down year, the first, as, as goes the first week of January, which we were up 1.4%, and as goes January, we were up 6%, goes the year. There's seven for seven when we've had a down year before. So, now look, I don't think we're going straight up. You know, as I said last week, I think it's going to be the sawtooth movement till the end, maybe end of the third quarter or middle of the third quarter to the fourth quarter. And then I, I think you could have liftoff, you know. Look, a couple things I noticed is, and, and Tom Lee over at Funstead pointed this out too, I think, in his uh, newsletter on uh, last week. And he, he talked about bond and equity volatilities at their lowest level since 2021. It's very supportive of a big rise in 2023. Uh, you know, he's talking about 20% plus, I'll be sure, but you know, we're already up 6%. All right. So we're seeing some good things is what I'm saying. And I'm also supposed to say, Hey, this is a live show. And if you've got any questions, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. So you know, I, I look at this and you know, the, the, the Fed raised rates again this week, a uh, quarter of a point. 
And we, we were down like 450 points. And we ended up down 60. And then the next two days were positive. So, I mean, I, I think unless the Fed moves their goalposts, the equity markets and the bond markets are playing a different game than they're playing, okay, right at the moment. And so the tech leading, you know, kind of canceled the buy the dip strategy that we were talking about. But, you know, technology was the worst performer last year, and here we have it leading the way again. Uh, I thought it was interesting, you know, that a lot of the names out there uh, are popping left and right. I think the only one that disappointed was Amazon. And I, I understand why they're, they're, what they're doing is they're, they threw out the kitchen sink on this one, I think. But we'll see. Um, but look, I talked about 4,100 being the downtrend line on the S&P 500. Well, we're over that. We're over the 200-day moving average. And I'm also seeing what is known as silver crosses and golden crosses. Now, a silver cross is when the 20-day moving average cross over the 50-day. And a golden cross is the 50-day over the 200-day. So some good things are happening. Uh, you know, look, we hit an inflation wall in October, and I told you on this show for three straight weeks that I thought we were at the bottom. And that is the bottom, by the way, so far. Um, and uh, I had one or two clients that said, you know, we give up, we can't handle it. Uh, and and that, that's when I knew we were at the bottom. And it's the way it is. But it looked, it sounded to me, after listening to Mr. Powell, you know, as soon as he started talking, the market started rallying. We were down 450 when he started talking. By the time he was done, we were up 150, and then we faded a little bit. But I think with the latest policy move, the Federal Reserve appears to be acquiescing that the market view, the rate hikes, are nearing an early conclusion at lower levels. Than the policymakers that you know decide or expected, I should say. So, at this point, you know, the by the way, the employee number screwed everything up. But like I said, we had a lot of new businesses started in November and December, more than any time in history. If the stuff I read is correct, I I, I don't know if that's correct or not. But uh, where I read it from was was an interesting, you know, a, a democratic. Uh, piece of information uh, from the from the Democrats. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I still think they're going to be data dependent. And but they have raised interest rates a long way. And and the yield curve is getting more inverted and more inverted and more inverted. Uh, so the, the market's telling us something else. And I'm not sure what that is. But uh, like I said, a year ago in January, we were at the top of the trend line. And I talked about that for two months. And, you know, I said, in the past, what, what had happened is we'd had a couple whoops, but we generally go sideways. This year was a little bit different because they raised interest rates five percentage points. So we went straight down, which I wasn't expecting. Nobody else was either, by the way, except for one, uh, one strategist. And by the way, he'd been fairly bearish for some time. But markets have spoken. Uh, and after a year in which the Fed policymakers were quick and successful in quelling not only the, you know, the, the, the doubts about the resolve to raise rates aggressively in a war against inflation, but Fed Powell stood, you know, largely stood down from any such notion. You know, he, he still thinks the shift was likely the primary impetus between this week's positive market reactions. Maybe. Who knows? All right. Now, I did notice a couple things this week. Um, I, I looked at oil and natural gas. You know, natural gas has just got pummeled. 
since uh, the the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Um, it's down almost 70 percent. But this week, uh, I, well, I'm going to talk about, you know, I, I'm starting to see a bottoming process on the charts. But I also noticed that net coal and iron ore were both up this week and both up big. You know, iron ore prices were up 1.4 percent this week. It's up 7.7 percent over the month. And net coal prices are up 7.8 percent. Uh, it's up 18.9 percent over the month. By the way, that you know that's how you make iron ore. By the way, so uh, the energy situation is not going away. Okay. Now the other thing we noticed is if you you know if you look at the pump, uh, you know post COVID demand is off about three percent on the gasoline front from 2019 levels. Probably pretty sticky, I would think. But the headwind there is obviously the work from home bit of the tailwind. So, uh, but only being off three percent, I think the chances of of you know, look, if people are getting laid off, people are going back to to the office. All right, uh, you know, I've been to the office twice last week, and I, I've been working from here or downtown for some time now, and so it's. If, if, if the employee no longer has the ball, the boss is back in, in, in the driver's seat, shall we say, people are going to go back to work. Okay. So, you know, I've been talking about dividend growth stocks for, since I've been on the air, <laughs> I think, uh, which is a long time. And, you know, just so you know, the guided portfolio this year for, for the dividend growth portfolio was declined 3% and mostly it was one stock. Uh, so I thought that was pretty easy, interesting, but if you look at the prime income list, it was flat. So in a year where the S&P 500 was down 18.25%, the prime income list was flat. So the three things I talk about mostly, you know, Marshfield was up six, uh, six and a quarter after fees. The dividend growth portfolio was down 3% and the prime income list was down three. So, you know, somebody asked me, Tim, uh, this was, Terry, Terry asked me the other day uh, on, I was on the phone with him and uh, he called in, he asked a bunch of questions and um, he said, what would you be doing now? And look, I think that you got to take a look at, you know, dividend stocks, you know, maybe a mixture of the prime income list and the dividend growth, the older you get more prime income than dividend growth. But when you're, if you're 40, the dividend growth portfolio is great. And then what I'd look at is our best ideas. I mean, I, there's some really, really good ideas, our global good ideas. Some of the ones surprised me this year. <laughs> they really surprised me. Uh, so I'll, I'll see what, you know, what, where we go from here. But, you know, Clorox was on the list two weeks ago. It was up 15 bucks Friday. You know, so some of these names are, are pretty good. I, I didn't buy Clorox because I already owned so much of it. And, uh, well, we'll leave it at that. But the other thing I'd be looking at is the ADRs. ADRs are American depository receipts. So what they do is they deposit the stock here so you, you don't have the fl uh, currency fluctuations. But they're foreign stocks that trade on the New York Stock Exchange, okay? And they've been outperforming the S&P 500. And the S&P 500 is up 6%. That's not a bad deal, all right? So uh, I'd make it a combination. Uh, I, first of all, I'd throw Marshfield in there. You know, any, any company was up 30% one year and next 
Next year's up six in a down 18% market. You got to give them a little money. Prime income list, dividend growth, some of our best ideas, and then the ADR list, I think would be a great combination. So uh, people have been asking me, um, I, I got like 12 calls so far this year. You know, what, what would you be doing? And that's what I'd be doing. Uh, I had a bunch of good ideas from Friday um, that I thought were, were fantastic ideas. And, uh, you know, you know, where I'd be, you know, basically uh, on a portfolio uh, analysis scenario, just, you know, what I'd be buying. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you what those are, but, uh, um, you know, it was a very good, uh, well, there was some good ideas. Let's put it that that way. Uh, you know, prime income list, especially I, I, uh, I liked, so we'll leave it at there. So, uh, I've gone through the whole thing and I haven't mentioned the wealth plan. Uh, let me just tell you a story this week. Uh, I sent out a, uh, family inventory workbook about three months ago, four months ago in August, five months ago, I guess it is. And, uh, this gentleman died and his wife called me and asked me, uh, this week, you know, did he have an account with me? And I said, no, but he had 15 accounts in other places, 15 accounts. And he had finished the family inventory workbook before he died. Uh, he died young, by the way. He was 57 years old. God rest his soul. But he took the pressure off his wife and his kids. And, you know, the first thing is a family inventory workbook. The second thing is a wealth plan. And I highly recommend it. It's uh, a great one-two punch is what it comes down to. Anyway. Yeah, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Remember, the phone number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. They say we're young and we don't know. We won't find out till we grow. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. What if I told you you can save a baby's life for just $28? Well, it's true. Preborn is a ministry doing just that with the help of people like you by offering free ultrasound sessions to pregnant girls and women who otherwise might choose to end their pregnancy. We know that pregnant girls and women who can see their babies on ultrasound are far more likely to choose life. Your gift today can save babies' lives. Just $28 can give a mother the chance to see the truth of the baby that is growing inside her. $140 can do this for five girls and women. Whether you want to save one baby or five or hundreds, that opportunity is just a click or phone call away. Call 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or click on the preborn banner at whkradio.com. 
Com. Dennis Prager will tackle the tough issues. The U.S. has suffered nearly 300,000 more deaths than usual in more than two years of the pandemic that cannot be attributed to COVID, with researchers blaming lockdowns and delays to health care. If you know that the lockdowns were damaging, especially to young kids, do you still trust your doctor? The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. We're back. It's a rainy night in Georgia. <laughs> it's a cold day and uh, it was a 10, 11 degrees. Welcome to Ohio. Anyway, uh, so I, I was looking at, you know, uh, Rob Schleimer's stuff and I, I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, uh, I talked about how he 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 liked the the biotechs back in October or November. I can't remember the exact time. Uh, you know, you can go listen to my old shows, by the way, to if you want to fact check me. <laughs> and he talked about the biotech index. Well, the biotech index just hit the silver cross. That's the twenty day moving over the fifty day moving average, which usually is the first sign. Uh, also, uh, regional banks and and consumer discretionary did that, and and the golden cross. You know, we talked about the semis doing that, and the semis had broken through. Uh, so the 50-day crossed over the 200-day in the semis. Now, he also talked about the 4,100 being resistance, and then uh, 4,120. Uh, so, you know, it's one of those things where, hey, uh, maybe, uh, you know, you've got to pay attention to this guy a little bit more. So, you know, the... The equal weight index broke out, and so didn't the S&P 500. So now we have the Dow breaking out. That was the first one. Then the small caps, and now the S&P 500. Uh, the big question is, will the NASDAQ follow? Okay. Um, one of the things that I do like, um, and, and this is, you know, look, the weekly momentum is a little bit overbought, so I think we're going to pull back a little bit here. But uh, the, the NASDAQ composite is still about 3 or 4% below the downtrend line. Now, why do we talk about these downtrend lines? They are psychological barriers. Okay, so when you, you have a series of lower highs, you draw a line, and that you get there, and nobody wants to buy. Okay, so when you break through there, what you've done is you've gone from a you know, and most the technicians will tell you you've gone from a bear to a bull. And now, I'm not saying we're going straight up. I think we're going to have some serious sideways moment, and I, I've been talking about that for some time now. Uh, it's going to be a, a, you know, if you took a, a saw, you know, and you just tilted it up a little bit, it's going to go like that. We're going to be up and down, up and down, up and down until probably somewhere in the third or fourth quarter, and then I think we have liftoff. But the, the three sectors he likes are energy, financials, and and the semiconductors. Now, what? What I kind of like, too, uh, and what broke out this week and became number one on dynamic asset level investing when my friends at Dorsey Wright were basic materials. So uh, iron ore being up, I, I got three names I love there. So we'll just leave it at that. Now, um, a couple other things. I was looking at the long-term charts. And I, look, most people are not paying attention to these. They're so mixed up in the daily stuff. And and they're so worried about their their daily thing. You got to pay attention to the long term. And remember, there are generational cycles. Since the beginning of the stock market, we've had four or five 
16 to 18 year bull cycles. They call it a secular bull market. And we've also had that same number of secular bear markets. You know, this last one, we had two 50%, you know, one was 50, that was 57% decline. And, you know, back in, in uh, the 70s, we had a 26% decline, a 32% decline, and then a 50% decline. So we do, there are long-term bear markets, but they're, you know, you go through a bull market in a secular bear, and you go through a bear in a secular bull. And that's what we've just gone through. We're at the top of the trend line. And because the aggressive, e- I mean, the tightening by the Fed, we had, a, a neg- you know, obviously a negative time. But look, this thing started in 2000, late 2016. So we probably have another 10 years, probably. And look, if we just do, you know, the, the average return on the market from the low, okay, so we're talking from the bottom now, is 2,300%. So if we just go to 2,000, we're talking about 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500. We're at 4120 now, okay? So for all you people that are negative out there, I think it's important that you understand what's going on. Now, within that, that big cycle is, is a four-year cycle. And that four-year cycle should start again in 2024. So this year, I think you're going to have an uptrending kind of, you know, horizontal up, you know, but with a little uptrend, seesaw movement, and then when you're least expecting it, it'll be a rocket ship. Uh, but the other thing I, I think is very important is, you know, one of the things that Bob Dickey taught me, uh, you know, Bob's retired. I, I hope he's ice fishing at this point. He loved to fish. Uh, is that you, you watch the four-month over the 13-month moving average. And one of the things that happened last year, at, at, at January was the peak, was the the momentum, the upside momentum was the highest I'd ever seen it. So what that means is statistically, the gap between the four month and the 13 month was a statistical anomaly and it got crushed. And now it's the lowest that I've seen it. So don't get bearish is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. You know, we're at the bottom of the, of the trend line right now. And I think there's more to go. And now it probably will, will probably move along that trend line for a while. Okay, until uh, the Fed is absolutely sure they're done, and then we'll take off uh, some things to think about uh, over the course of the next couple of uh, months, years, whatever. Now, look, uh, I'm going to say this again. I've probably been saying it for nine months, but the 10-year yield has broken out of a 40-year downtrend. That is a significant event. Yields are not going back down. So if you're looking to buy a house, if they dip at all, in my humble opinion, you want to be paying attention. Uh, you know, the last time this happened was in 19, I don't know, uh, 60, I guess it was. And then it did it again in 1975 or whatever. And then it went straight up after that. Uh, now, I don't think this is going to go straight up because, you know, what happened back then is Arthur Burns turned on the tap in the Carter administration and didn't turn it off till Paul Volcker showed up. Uh, so it had some time to simmer, shall we say. Um, the other thing is the dollar, you know, has broken out of the 36-year downtrend. Uh, that usually means that commodities are going to go down, and we've got a different cycle now. And I, I, I'm not sure I understand it, but uh, uh, it, it is what it is. You know, you report what you see, not what hap- I mean, not what you think is going to happen, uh, but what you see. 
And so it, it's broken in the 36-year downtrend. It's tested and broken out again. Now, it's a little overbought right now. It's pulled back a little bit, so we'll see what happens. But I think it's important that you understand that. The commodity index also broke out from 2009. And, uh, you know, so uh, and, and then it had the Ukrainian war, which really sent it going. But we, we seem to be pulling back a little bit now. Uh, doc, Dr. Copper looks good, and, and oil looks like it's right where it should stop. Uh, and, you know, gold uh, has held up. Uh, I just mentioned that the McQuellen price oscillator is that gold had gave a sell signal last week. So uh, we'll see what's going on. Now, the one thing I really like is the high beta index, which is normally the cyclical stocks, has made this beautiful round bottom, broken out, and now it's pulled back right to where it should. So that's where the area I'd concentrate on because you don't have to worry about uh, you know, one of the things everybody's worried about is all the FANG stocks, are the technology stocks going to take off again? Well, they may and they may not. Usually when you have a decline of what they've had, it's going to take a while. Okay? So, you know, you don't, you don't have to be the first one in. Is what I'm telling you. Uh, matter of fact, I probably wouldn't be the first one in. Uh, that, that would probably not make a whole lot of sense. And, um, you know, you, you'd have to uh, – well, I mean, look, if you own them, stay with them. Okay? I think, you know, you got to let them rally a couple times and pull back and see how they, they go. I'm not saying they're bad. Look, I think there's going to, you know, you need security software. You need health, you know, healthcare has been going sideways for, you know, seven, eight years now. Okay. Healthcare looks really good. I think it's got a bottom in the first couple of weeks of February too. If I look at the chart properly, uh, that's Tim Hayes' opinion, by the way, not RBC's, uh, but there's some things going on where there's some stuff that's been going sideways for a long time. And you know what they say in the stock market? The size of the base shows the size of the race, okay? So when you have a large base and you break out of it, usually the longer the base, the farther the race, okay? So, uh, you know, and sometimes what you find, it's, it's not the hare that you want to bet on. It's the tortoise. You know, that's what's that's what's been going on this last year. The dividend growth portfolios, the industrials, the prime income list, Marshfield, you know, they, they buy the dregs of humanity, uh, but they're very good at it. They buy they buy great companies when they're down is what I meant. Uh, so we're starting to see some of those start to break out now. All right. So keep an open mind. Uh, I don't know if technology is you know going to be coming back. It certainly came back Thursday and Friday. Matter of fact, you know, uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk about the bullish percent and the the movement in the bullish percent last week was phenomenal. All right, and we'll we'll get to that in uh, in a very short period of time. But it was it was it was a phenomenal move, uh, just big. So, um, I, and by the way, I did notice a lot of stocks that I bought during the year when I thought the beginning of the year, or, I'm sorry, May and, and and June when I thought the market had bottomed, and then the Fed went crazy. Uh, they held up extremely well. Matter of fact, I'm not down on them. They're up. And uh, that that's kind of interesting. So, hey, let's take another break, and we'll be right back with a bullish percent. Stay tuned. If you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. When it comes- 
comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. The straight talking, hard work, and do it right plumbers at Wyatt Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Wyatt Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing Most with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. Wallakadoodle. Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promise clog busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call why it works and consider it done license number 30185 bad decisions limit future options make bad enough decisions and you'll destroy your life listen to the plot line with your host rick hughes every sunday morning at 6 30 here on am 1420 the answer the plot line describes a mainline resistance in your soul to build on god's word Join us every Sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration, motivation, education, all without manipulation. That's The Flot Line with Rick Hughes, heard every Sunday at 6.30 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, <laughs> we're back. Lenny's going to some oldies, boy. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. Did the groundhog uh, see his shadow? That's the big question. I I don't know the answer to that, but uh, uh, he saw his shadow. That's not a good. I, Lenny just told me he saw his shadow. That's not good. Uh, okay, so a lot of stuff happened this week. The bullish percent. You know, we talk about that being our main risk guide. Remember, in September it was a twenty-two. It was up fourteen percentage points this week. This is just a chart that was designed by a protege of Charles Dow. It goes from zero to 100. When it, when it gets over 70, that's the red zone. When everybody's talking about their portfolio, you should be worried. And then when you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when everybody's crying their beer. They don't open their 401k statements, you know, that type of thing. Uh, I don't get invited to parties. <laughs> uh, and then if you have a column of X's, you have the offensive team on the field. And when you go into a column of O's, you want to be more defensive. You want to tighten up your stops, maybe raise a little cash, especially if we go over 70, okay? Well, this week we hit 65. So we went from 54 to 60, I said 14, I, I meant 11, <laughs> to, to 65%, 65.8 to be exact. That's a big move in a week. And most of it happened Thursday and Friday. And you know what was amazing? Was the broadening out. Of the market. I mean, it was amazing how many, I, I couldn't get through all my charts two days in a row. And, you know, I look at 13 different, uh, we we'll call them indicators or scans every day. 
and I couldn't get through my charts Friday. I started at 630 and couldn't get through my charts. Isn't that amazing? So now I, I also noticed that, you know, we, we, we're seeing a broadening out. There's no doubt about it. And the growth-oriented stock funds uh, lagged the value funds to start the year. However, the 10-week growth funds took off like a bat out of you-know-where. And they're now at 78%. So uh, they've, they've gone from 36, 34, I guess it was, straight up. So, you know, you want to be a little bit more careful, you know, on the growth stocks. Wait for them a little bit is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but if you look growth versus value, you know, we've been talking for some time now how, uh, you know, on our barbell approach, that the, the P.E. ratio of growth going forward, we said this the last two weeks, was a pretty low number. Uh versus the valuation of the S&P uh, value funds, you know? So uh, now they were much, uh, they weren't like 2000. They weren't overvalued, uh, but back in, in 2021, they were pretty overvalued. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where we go, you know, going forward, right? Okay. So now the, the other thing I wanted to mention is the S&P 500 bullish percent hit 70. So we've just entered the red zone on the S&P 500. Uh, think about that for a while. So the New York Stock Exchange uh, bullish percent is still in a column of X's, but it's 65. So it was up 11 last week. That's a big move. And by the way, like I said, most of it came Thursday and Friday. So uh, that was interesting. The over-the-counter index uh, is at 43. So it, it was up five. Small cap stocks are starting to participate. The problem is a lot of them are going from like a dollar to two dollars really quick. And uh, you can't do anything about it. You know, there's no, uh, they, they, they don't, they don't show any, uh, there's no signs on the charts that they're, you know, they just happen. Okay. Now the world index uh, is still in column of X's and it was only up a half a point though. Uh, the ADR list is still ahead of the S&P 500, just so you know. So there we go. Now, you know, if you, what's, what's interesting this year, if you look at the January momentum docile performance, the laggards, on average, are up 22%. Uh, now, that's something I didn't come up with. <laughs> and, and if you look at the dynamic asset level investing, the consumer discretionary group, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, was the most improved sector. And basic materials uh, are number one. All right? Um, and then, but by the way, they were second most improved. And technology is number third. And remember I said communication service, you know, the, the dead last ones on dynamic asset level investing have had shown some pretty big moves. And if you look, you know, uh, Metaverse had a huge, the old Facebook had a huge move this week. Uh, and by the way, Snap got, just had a terrible quarter and finished the week up, which is, uh, you know, a big positive. So, but it still goes like this. It's now basic materials is number one. Energy is number two. Financials are number three, consumer non-cyclical. So, by the way, the energy and the, the staples, is that's what's consumer non-cyclical, lost a lot of votes, okay? So you got to keep that in the back of your head. Industrials gained a couple of votes. Healthcare gained and consumer cyclical gained. Technology gained and real estate gained. A lot of REITs were showing up on my charts this week. So now one of the things I noticed is the if you look at the XLE versus the, the Internet Index, it went into a RSL signal. So the internet index was the place to be. Now, I own some of those for a long, long time, so I didn't buy more of them. Uh, but 
there we go. And then if I looked at the equal weight energy ETF, the RYE versus the Spider uh, XRT, it went to a column of O's too. So energy has taken a hit in a couple different areas versus other sectors. Consumer cyclical and healthcare have improved pretty drastically, and basic materials are now number one. So it's basic materials, energy, financials, consumers, non-cyclicals, and industrials. Remember, energy and consumer non-cyclicals lost some votes here. Okay, so the staples and energy lost some votes. But those are the five that are favored. Utilities, healthcare, and consumer cyclical are now neutral. So consumer cyclicals move forward. And technology, real estate, and, and communication services were dead last. But technology gained almost 25 votes. And communication services gained 14 votes. So uh, there was a lot of movement in those. And, and, and by the way, one thing about the, you know, using point and figure charts is you may be late, but you'll be there. <laughs> it's that simple. So you still got to kind of underweight technology and consumer discretionary and real estate and communication services. But you, you pay very close attention to them, you know, if they turn up and, and that's what we're watching for. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, metaverse made a huge run in a month, almost a hundred bucks. So, um, there we go. Now I was looking in, at, uh, international stocks and, you know, India looked pretty good a couple of weeks ago and then it just fell off the map and it's right at its uptrend line. So if it doesn't hold here, uh, you got to pay attention. Uh, and, and the fixed income move, um, uh, you know, the Fed wrapped up its meeting on Wednesday and increased federal funds target to 450 to 475, uh, pretty widely expected. But the volatility in the bond market declined significantly. And if if you look, the actual, you know, if I looked at the uh, ICE Bank of America, what they call the the ML Move ETF, uh, you know, bond prices went down to 100. So when bond prices go down, usually the yields go up. So uh, it's been the shorter term stuff that it that is happening in, but you know, oil has turned around, and oil and natural gas looks like to me on the charts they're at a place where they could rally. I'm not starting there, you know. I'm not saying they're going to start a brand new bull market, but I think they could rally. Uh, you know, gold uh, went to a relative strength sell signal, and and that's where you got to pay attention. But you know, right at 240, uh, there's a huge support uh, in the natural gas area, so we'll see what happens there. Likewise, uh, uh, you know, if you look at some of the ETFs like the UNG, you know, or the SCG or whatever, they're right where they're, they're major support. So we'll see what happens from there. Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, some people have been asking me, uh, you know, Tim, what do you see from here? Look, we broke the downtrend line. Here's some other things I've noticed. Dow theory. All right. If you look at Dow Theory, we've had both the industrials and the transports turn up. So they're, they're in a positive mode. Now, they're not at a new Dow Theory buy signal, which is new highs for both of them, but they've both broken out together. That's a very positive development. The other thing is Dorsey Wright looks at uh, multiple sell signals, and multiple sell signals hit a new low. They hit a new high just in August. Okay, so we've hit a new low. Remember, we were talking about the number of new lows hitting a new low just two weeks ago. Three weeks, we've been talking about it for a month. 
So there you go. Now, we also had the Russell breakout. The S&P 500 broke out, you know, th- Thursday and Friday. And energy and healthcare held up pretty well during that period of time. And communication services went, you know, basically, I mean, only had 21 votes. Now it's 36, 37. So that's stuff that you have to pay very close attention to. And uh, so I, I just got an email from, uh, I think it's, a, I think it's Ian. Um, uh, Ian and Mike uh, sent me a, uh, Ian asked about the uh, fangs. Well, the fangs broke out. I mean, uh, this week, Google broke, broke the downtrend line. Apple brought the downtrend line. Now, Amazon had a problem, uh, but they were gap ups, which is usually positive. And like I said, Microsoft had bad news and, and, and broke out. And Intel had bad news and didn't hit a new low. If things are as bad as that, you know, why are, why do they finish the week up a quarter of a point and say with Boeing, you know, so is bad news now good news? Like good news was bad news back in June? Who knows? Maybe we have to start to pay attention. But look, the, the weekly quadrant balance momentum oscillator that our friend Rob Schleimer, who's been making some really good calls, if you're not going to my webpage and looking at the, the bulletin board and going to roadmap every week, uh, I think you're out to lunch. Uh, so, but the, the weekly balance, uh, uh, quadrant balance momentum oscillator is pretty high right now. So I think we're going to have a little bit of a pullback. But we did break out, and we did get a little overbought on the the daily momentum too, as well as the Nasdaq Composite has, has pretty high momentum. So you, you know you want to buy when the momentum's turning. I did notice the Russell 2000 broke the downtrend line versus the S and P 500. So remember, Lori Calvacina has been talking about the small caps now for some time. So what they've done is they've started to break out against larger names. That's a very positive, positive sign. So, uh, yeah, but let's take a break. Uh, and remember, the phone number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Cable news. Noisy, out of touch, on repeat. Tired of all the lookalikes? So are we. Salem News Channel is here to change the game. Streaming 24-7, free on your TV, with the greatest collection of conservative voices. Home to Dinesh D'Souza, Andrew Wilkow, Brandon Tatum, and more. Like you, we say what's wrong and what's right. Unfiltered and unapologetic. Salem News Channel. We're the answer to the mainstream media. Learn more at snc.tv. Dr. Sebastian Gorka can't believe what he hears sometimes. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open board, come on over. But people I have heard say it for you, our former President Trump. It's not Biden that opened the border. That is gas lighting. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. 
Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, I'm back to going downtown. <laughs> Good one, Lenny. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I wanted to make uh, a comment. You know, I, I get a lot of newsletters, and one of my favorite, uh, and if you haven't read his books, Marty Pring is, is a genius. Um, this week, he talked about five or six indicators that are st- saying we're starting a new bull market. And I've been trying to talk people down, you know, uh, for some time now. And I just, you know, it's one of those things, uh, you know, you've, you've got to, uh, you've got to keep your head up, um, especially in these long-term bull markets. And, you know, sometimes it feels like there's, look, I, I, I'll tell you a story. Uh, when the crash occurred in 90 or 87, my wife told me the Friday beforehand, uh, that she was pregnant with our first kid. Hey, that doesn't do wonders for you when you're in this business. <laughs> I, I I had a strong drink on the on the train ride home uh, Monday night, uh, and I took the nine o'clock train. So, uh, you know, you can't get you got to think opposite of what everybody else is thinking. That's the way it works. Okay. So, uh, but Marty uh, has a great article about uh, like five or six the best uh, or uh, indicators that are showing that we're turning. We're in a new bull market. Uh, I, the guy's a, a genius. So uh, if you haven't read his books, he, he's one of the best. Now we talk about insiders, though. And insiders, we've, we've had some interesting stuff go on here. Uh, I noticed the amount of insiders have dried up a little bit. But we have some big insider buys. And uh, there's a director at Express, which is a, a retailer. You know, <laughs> And it's like a dollar eighteen stock, and he bought twenty five million dollars with the stock. He now owns like five point four million shares. And Randall Kirk, you know, who was on a roll for a long, long time, was hitting home runs, and suddenly took the air out of all the biotechs. He bought eleven point four million shares of Persigen, uh, which has a, a CAR T product at one seventy five. He now owns thirty one million, or approximately forty percent of the float. And then also uh, one of the directors at Uber, uh, which I have a big position in, uh, bought 250,000 shares or $5.1 million worth. And uh, this guy's been, he's, he's been involved in several SPACs that have made a lot of money. Uh, some of the SPACs are starting to move again, too, by the way. And then Advanced Emission Solutions, which is pollution controls, they got whacked. Uh, they were a $4 stock, and now they're at $2.87, and at $4. One of their directors, Julian McIntyre, bought $4.8 million with the stock. All right. And here, here's one that I think is really interesting is Triumph Financial. It's a regional bank and it's at a new high. And at the new high, we've got uh, a director buying $2.5 million. We've got uh, an, uh, another director buying $300,000. Another, uh, the same director buying another $210,000. Another director buying $200,000. Another director buying 132,000, and another director buying 100,000. So obviously they like the stock, and it's in the right group. Remember, we talked about regional banks having a, a silver cross. So keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> Sorry about that; I couldn't resist. And then uh, Philip Petroleum, or Philip 66, I should say. Um, Greg Hayes, who's 
the chairman of Raytheon, uh, bought a million dollars worth. He's on the board. And then this was an interesting one. Greenbridge Generational Holdings Capital Markets is like an 84-cent stock. So this is not for widows or orphans. Uh, we did have Atlas Capital Resources buy a uh, million dollars worth. A couple other names, uh, Charter Communications. Uh, we had uh, a director, Steve Myron, who's a pretty smart guy, buy a million dollars worth. And then MGM, Biofarm, uh, you know, which got beat up pretty bad. And we have David Goodall again and Column Group, uh, all buying about, oh, uh, Column Group bought uh, 2.4 mil, and uh, Dave Goodall bought two times 800,000. So we'll see what happens. Lending Tree last week, you know, we reported that uh, the chairman and CEO bought a bunch of stock, and he, he bought uh, again on the 30th uh, about 700,000. He bought a couple million dollars. And John Morris, who's the chairman of our local Sherwin Williams, uh, bought half a million dollars worth of stock. And Coinbase, you know, has been popping up. And another director, uh, Tobias Lefke, bought another 6,500. Remember last week, there was quite a few buyers there. And Pat Gensinger bought another quarter million dollars worth of stock in Intel. He's the CEO. Uh, and then uh, this Eric Anderson keeps buying uh, Merrimack Pharmaceuticals, which is actually a takeover candidate. Uh, he's bought about $4 million. He bought some more. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. The CFO of Intel bought $200,000 worth of stock. And then there was three other people that were all that are all uh, high up in the company that have bought some stock. So something happening with, with Intel. Who knows? Keep your fingers crossed. Uh, did just get a, a note from my uh, uh, <laughs> one of my clients. He said, uh, the groundhog, uh, even though he saw, saw his uh, shadow, uh, they did find more secret documents. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Uh, anyway, so where do we go from here? Okay. Then, look, I've been looking at things, and um, I think, look, you look at the S P 500, you look at NASDAQ, they're sh- showing long-term breakouts. NASDAQ needs a little bit more push, but the stock is breaking out of a multi-month base, which is helping outperform with tech. I think that's a good place to be. Uh, you know, a lot of people got killed in, in those this, this year, but uh, that's the way it looks. But look, uh, we broke above 4,100. I've been saying that that has been the key break point for, I don't know, three months now. And then we broke her up, up, you know, I said 4,140 after that. We broke that on Friday. So, you know, we closed Friday, uh, or Thursday, I'm sorry, we closed Thursday. And then Friday, we were down, but we had more advancers than the decliners. So the market's spreading out. That's a very positive thing. And just, just remember, the year before an election is usually a good year for the market, okay? So we've had seven times where we've had a big down market, and January's been positive. The first week of January, as the first week goes, as January goes, goes the market. The market's up 6% in January. That's a big move, folks. That's a big move. It was up 1.4% in the first week, and it was a four-day week. So don't get too bearish. That's what I'm telling you. You've you got to use your head here. Now, Treasury yields, you know, they're starting to trend lower. Uh, I, I saw the new applications for uh, new houses, you know, were up pretty big. Uh, we had discu- dis- uh, consumer discretionary breakout versus the staples. That's a good sign. I don't think the staples are a sell because a lot of them are in the dividend growth portfolio. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this is all positive. Now, 
we're probably going to have a pullback because, like I said, the S&P 500 bullish percents at 70. I, I don't think it's going to be a terrible pullback. I think, you know, we're going to have this sawtooth move, you know, generally rising up. But, you know, you're, they're going to make sure you're paying attention. That's what I'm saying. You know, they're, you're, they're going to pull. There'll be hard check, fast pullbacks. But, uh, you know, look. Intel's woes didn't distract from the semiconductor space. And I think if you break above, you know, I didn't want to see where it closed, but I think 3050 was what we were looking for. And if we break above there, you know, Intel could add to their their situation. So, uh, look, the other thing I saw was the volatility index. This is important because the volatility index has been stopping at 19. What is the volatility index? Fear index. And stopping at 19, it broke through 19 this week. So things are getting interesting. And, and I think, that, you know, it, it's some stuff that you got to pay attention to. I do think uh, the technology looks to have broken out versus the S&P in relative terms. Uh, and, and also oil and gas might be near pretty important bottoms. So just uh, remember that. So what would I do right now? Well, Tim Hayes has been saying for some time, the dividend growth portfolio was down 3%. You can live with 3%. Okay. You can make up 3%. 18.25 at the S&P 500 was down. It was a little harder to deal with. The prime income list was flat. Marshfield was up 6%, 6.25 to be exact after fees. So we've been steering you the right direction. We also said the last week of September, that Saturday, that we were near bottom. And if you would have bought that, and I think we're up 15% from that bottom. So Look, if you want to have an appointment, you want me to uh, start a wealth plan for you, or you'd like the family inventory workbook, I highly recommend that. Uh, you know, get all your ducks in a row, do a wealth plan, see if you got enough for retirement. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, like I, I said before, uh, you know, if you own a small business, we can value that business for you if you're thinking about selling it. You know, we do that for clients and we do it for free. Okay. Also, Dane Topic at Dunbar. Dunbar and Bender uh, has helped people put a lot more away. If you can hide it from the government for several years, you're going to make more money. When the government can't tax you, you're going to make more money. So, uh, But in the meantime, go to WHK1420. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show. Go directly to my webpage from there. Hit the Insight banner. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Bulletin board, Rob Schleimer and her newsletter. Set up a time. So we can talk about your portfolio, talk about a wealth plan, talk about whatever you want to do. All right. Uh, I'm very into hearing what you know you want to do. It's important. In the meantime, have yourself a great weekend. Stay warm. Remember to buy low, sell high. This is Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash timhayes. 
That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.